everybody, and welcome to the Debrief 100 live from downtown Riverside. Let's give it up for the house band tonight. And it's time to meet the friends of the Debrief. Kicking us off, Justin Party, the PRD. Coming up next, the leading lady of the debrief, Miss Stephanie Supersport Schaefer. She's kind of got a motorcycle sidecar situation right now. She's got the, just along for the ride. And finally, our trusted leader, the leader of Sandals Church, Pastor Matt Brown. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Debrief 100 Live. We are glad you guys are here with us tonight. Hi, friends. I've been practicing all night. Yeah. I've Welcome to the Debrief, a weekly Q&A show with... Yeah, I knew you were going to screw it up. With real answers to tough questions, serious spiritual support for your life and daily needs of questions. Uh, I'm your friendly host, the PRD, Justin. Glad to be hanging out here with my friend, Stephanie Dolores Schaefer. What's up, friends? And of course, we got Pastor Matt. Hey, guys. So, Pastor Matt, question for you. Um, oh, we're just jumping right in. Well, no, 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 no not, 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 not this kind of question. question. Oh. Uh, did you think when we started the Debrief Podcast, we would make it to 100 episodes? No. Yes. <laughs> no. No, not at all. Uh, here's, do you happen to remember, do you remember the first episode we ever recorded? The location of the said episode? You guys, we've come so far. We're here in downtown Riverside, Riverside Municipal Auditorium. We've got people up in the balcony now. This yes. is blowing my mind. Yeah. Listen. Oh, wow. Were we, were we in a uh, we're in like, flip-flops room? Yeah, the, the first ever episode of the podcast was recorded with you and I in two tiny toddler chairs. Yes. Uh, producer <laughs> Kelly with his laptop plugging into USB. It was like 20 minutes before church on a Saturday night. We're like, what if we start a podcast? So here we are. It's uh, been yeah. a beautiful, beautiful journey. You guys are awesome. Thank you for coming out and hanging out with us tonight. It's been pretty good so far. Yeah. Can I say something? Yeah, I, I just, here's the thing I'm super excited about. Um, my family and I, we went to the movies last night. I uh, went to see game night. Okay. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, a couple centers out there. Um, <laughs> and we, you know, we were watching the previews, and I just turned to my son, and I said, I said man, everybody's going to hell. That's what I told him as we were watching the, the previews. And I said, I hope, I hope you're not there. Um, you, you know, he, the boy you guys, is still he deciding. Just gave, he just gave a great sermon on parenting. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm just grateful that you guys, during the week, you actually want to talk about the Bible, you have questions about the Bible, that you take some of your time literally to study God's Word when what the most of the world's doing is flushing their life and their souls down the toilet. So I just am very thankful for all of you and glad you're not going to hell. So thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Boom. All right, well, you, uh, you ready to jump into some questions? Yeah, yeah, You absolutely. guys ready to get into some Q&A? Yeah. Let's do this. Stephanie, right. can you tell us how tonight's show is working? Because it is a fun one. It is a fun one. So as you guys can probably guess, sometimes we go a little, we, 
we, Pastor Matt Brown, go a little long on answering the questions. So sometimes we have to cut the questions that we had planned for an episode during the middle of the episode. So tonight is our cutting room floor episode where we bring back all those questions that we have cut for time. But rather than do it the normal way, this is the 100th episode of the debrief. So we're going to have a little bit of fun. So I'm going to ask our lovely Vanna White, Elena Kunkel, to come on down. We've got a great little bingo hopper we found on eBay that has got a bunch of little bingo balls in there. I don't know. There's probably an official I was so excited to order that. It looks so much bigger on the internet. (laughs) It looks a lot bigger on the internet. So we have got numbers. Didn't Elena used to work for Vanna White? You, oh, she, she did, did. use yes. for Vanna White. Okay. Odd turn job. of events, friends. Yeah, yeah we've, got tons, we've got tons and tons of questions that you guys have sent in. We cut from the show. Uh, what is our first question number? You really bought that online? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can find everything on the internet. You just yell. You just yell at us. N33. Okay, hold on a sec. We're going to scroll. Here we go. This question came in anonymously. I've been a believer for a while and have always had a hard time studying the Bible. I've done devotionals and I don't feel like I get what I need out of them. Are there any tips or strategies for studying the Bible you want to pass on? Yeah, I hate devotionals. Okay. You wrote one, (laughs) right? You can go ahead and tweet that, guys. We forgot the bell, so. Didn't you recently do one? I wrote a Bible study, but no, I, I think devotionals are, what devotionals are, it's, it's a cute little verse with a dumb story about somebody you don't know. That, that's what it is. And so, the, okay, here's what you guys need to know is you, you need to know the Bible. So this weekend we talked about uh, raising parents, and, and don't bore your kids with Bible study. Teach the, your kids about the Bible you've studied. They need to know your truth and what you've learned and how you've grown. And so, so wisdom comes over a period of time by studying God's Word. And, and we need to learn that, and we need to study that. My kids, my family sees me every single day. My, uh, I don't want to say my Bible, the Bibles. I have multiple ones, uh, depending on upon what okay, day is, how it feels. But uh, they're all over the house. My poor wife has to clean them up. I'm very thankful for her, because um, some of them are kind of big, you know. Well, I'm not holy, showing off, but so, I mean, yeah. you know, very thick. But, um, you know... Um, <laughs> it's that large print? Yeah, large print as I'm aging. So, um, it's been a good run. Thank you. Um, so... Uh, you, you need to study the Bible. And here's the thing is, I think a lot of us run to the Bible when we need something, and what we need is the Bible. And so what, what's amazing is what God's going to bring back to you. Um, you know, one of the first ver- memory verses, you know, I, I memorized as a kid is, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him. And, and it's just, it's trusting in God to know that, okay, at some point in time, what I've just read, what I've just studied is I'm going to need this. At some point in time, that's why it's in there. And so I need to know that. And I think it's much better to be able to pull from a volume of experience about God's Word than it is to have to rush and try to find something. And people are always asking me, where do I get this? Where do I get that? And so I'm not a big fan of devotions. What I would encourage you to do is to start off by reading one chapter a day. One chapter a day. It'll take you, I think, three years to read through the Bible. And I think that's okay. Take your time. Go through it. Um, you know, there's going to be some tough days. Obadiah is a tough day. I'm going to talk to the Lord about that one when I see him. Not exactly sure how that made it, but it's in there. And the good news is it's just a page. So um, I'm just saying that. There, there's some things where you're like, you know, I don't get anything out of this. But you know, when I was younger, I really, really would criticize books like Leviticus. And I got to tell you, uh, our world needs to read Leviticus. There's some stuff in there, you know, about what not to do to animals. Some people need to read that. That's in there. And that's important. Sorry if we have kids present, you know, but it's important to know that God's like, you know, the reason those you pastors are in there say is... say precisely what not to do to animals. It could just be aggressive petting. Yeah, aggressive petting. Oh, that was... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Probably, that's probably that's aggressive yes. betting. You guys, I've been working, speaking of just training and discipline in the Bible, I've been working so hard to train up Tim Holly as a host, and I want to have fun tonight. So if you need to fire me, he's going to do great starting episode 101. All right, this is, doing, this is going great. This is going great. Can you spin the, yeah, another give us another spin of the bingo hopper. Working now. N41. 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 All right, I'll take this one. This one comes from Alicia, who says, Oh, it's actually on the. Oh, yeah, this is thematic. Can you expand a bit on Bible translations? I grew up reading from NIV and the New King James Version and often heard that these were the superior translations. I know Sandals typically uses NLT, and since coming here, I've been using that during my personal reading time. But am I losing anything by using an easier to read translation? Yeah, no, you're not losing anything. You're actually gaining a bunch because you actually understand what you're reading. So the reason I don't use the King James is because then I have to tell you what the English version actually means. I have to actually translate the English for you guys into English. And so it's just really helpful. The modern translations are super important. And, you know, there was, there, for about a thousand years, scholars thought that the Greek that we, we, we read in our Bible, not the Greek that you read, but the Greek that I read that's translated into the English that you read it was this classical poetic form of Greek. And it's actually called Koine Greek, which is a common language. And one of the best tools to help us translate our Bibles was a woman's grocery shopping list. Okay. Right, ladies? How many of you are speaking in classical Greek when you're doing some shopping? It's very, very basic, you know, very, very easy to understand, very, very clear. Some of you write it even so your husband can understand it, which is like caveman language, right? Um, aisle two, section four. My wife just sends yeah. me pictures. Yeah, there you go. Pictures. It's good. Right. If they would have had the iPhone, we'd have a picture Bible for Justin. But, um, but uh, sorry, I, I do love you. Um, all, all the translations are great. And, and here's, the, here's the reason, you know, I, I try not to criticize the translations when I'm preaching because the truth is the people that translated the Bible, their expertise in Greek is so far beyond where I will ever be. I mean, these people sit in rooms and debate, you know, little squibbles and, and, and textual differences. Literally, that's their life, which is why I don't have that expertise because I don't want that life. But I appreciate those guys and, and, and gals and, and just the people that come alongside and translate our Bibles. They're wonderful. You're never going to get exactly exactly the same meaning because no language translates perfectly from one language to another. But the reason the NLT is so helpful is it translates thought for thought. And so I might, may not be able to give you the exact equivalent word for word, but I can give you thought for thought. I can tell you what God is saying here and what he's trying to communicate uh, to me. But can I go back to the first question? Bring it. Because I, I feel like I didn't finish and you guys cut me off. You're so. the boss. Yeah. So I, I, I think a lot of us have to grow up and in our faith, and we have to quit doing things when we feel like it or we get something out of it. Because that, that's when you're still a baby. Babies and children, they want to do things when they feel like it. Like my kids want to, you know, they want to be helpful when they feel like it. But being a mature follower of Christ is doing it because you know it's right, it's good, it's true. And so know this about studying the Bible. You're not always going to feel it, but you always need it. You always need it. And so keep, keep hanging in there. And here's the thing is, over time, it's going to make more and more sense. You're going to learn more. I, I, I don't know how many, I honestly don't know how many times I've read the Bible from front to back. I don't know, I should have started counting, I didn't. Every single time I read it, I'm still amazed at what I'm learning, what I'm gleaning, what I'm understanding. And you know, I'm, I'm 46 years old, so I, I promise you, this is going to mean a lot for you your entire life. But just keep, just keep hanging in there and know that there are blessings by reading the Word of God. The book of Revelation actually says that, which is one of the most confusing books in the Bible. It says, blessed are those who read this. 
There's a blessing in this. And, and think about all the things we do in our life. Is this blessed? You know, even the, you know, the fun movies we go to, was this blessed? I mean, sometimes I'm like, I'm fairly certain we're cursed. You know, one time Tammy and I went to a movie and I told her we are not walking out of this movie because someone will see us. We're going to sit here until every single person leaves. It was so, I, I made her sit there because I, I didn't want someone to know. Only God knows we're already going to be held accountable for this two hours. I don't want it on Twitter that we saw this movie. It was terrible and it was my idea. It was awful. I won't even tell you what the movie was, but it was so embarrassing. Um, and so there's just a lot of stuff that we do where you're like, why did I just watch that? What, what just happened to my day? And I have never felt that about scripture. I've never felt like, what did I just do with the last 10 minutes, 20 minutes, or an hour? I've never had that feeling. I always feel like, man, I learned something or God taught something to me. And so just know that, you know, the Bible is the roadmap for living. And if we look around at everybody's lives, everybody's crashing. And the reason everybody's crashing is nobody knows the map anymore. 93% of Americans have a Bible in their home but the vast majority have never even opened it. So, so don't be in that 93 percentile that simply owns the truth but doesn't know the truth. Because Jesus says that you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free, but you have to know it for it to free you. And so just know that. You have to, you have to keep studying that. And a lot of people say, well, you know, I have a personal relationship with Jesus, but the Bible goes to a great deal of effort to communicate to us that Jesus is the word, and so you can't have a relationship with Jesus if you don't have a relationship with his word because he is his word. And so we all need that. It, it's our compass. It guides us. It directs us. And I think that that's really important. Okay, did I finish the second question? Oh, yeah. I think you okay, had both Thank great. you. I like her. I think we're good. I think we're <laughs> yeah. good. All right, let's keep, let's keep this train rolling. Keep rolling. This is awesome. Right. Are you guys so anxious? Exciting, Vanna never had any speaking parts. Okay, um, I, 19, or it could be Is there a reason we have I. letters and numbers? It's a, that's an actual bingo set. Oh, okay. So you notice all the letters are B, I, N, G, N, I was o. hoping we didn't have so many questions that we actually had to oh, yeah, no, also no, no. have numbers and letters. Here we go. Wait, I, 19? Yes, I, 19. Okay, here I we 19. go. This came in from Annie, which could, It's probably Annie Moss. Yeah, probably not really her name. My family and I, it's probably your wife, actually. <clears throat> My family and I have made Sandals Church our home for, nope, not her, for almost 12 years. We are members, tithers, servers, and community group members in a newly formed group. I love Sandals very much, and we've been very involved. But over this last year, I felt very lonely here. Many of the people whom I consider to be my spiritual family are now spread out among the different campuses. I just don't see them anymore because they serve, attend, and do community group at their respective campuses. Do you have any advice on what I can actively do to regain a good spiritual family at my campus? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that's the reality. You know, Sandals Church, we had almost 11,000 people this weekend <clears throat> join us for worship. That, that's great. But what that means is we're spread out and we're growing. So the good news is many of us are are, are trusting God and we're going to other campuses and we're literally being missionaries in our own community right here in California um, and we're spreading the gospel because the reality is not everybody's gonna come to the big mega campus at Hunter Park. That's very intimidating for, for many people and so a lot of people feel more comfortable going to a smaller venue and, and, and that's one of the main reasons why we do that. I, I think we're all a little sad for those of us who've been around Sandals a long time and I think you just have to really check yourself. It's always amazing how the devil whispers in your ears. And one of the things that the devil whispers is the church is changing, it's got too big, and the reality is, of course, it's changing. Of course, it's getting big, but it's not too big. Jesus says, in my Father's house, there are many rooms. 
and behold, I go to prepare a place for you. And unfortunately, when churches and people become more about the people they know, they become less and less about the mission of Jesus. And so we have to, we have to check ourselves and we have to say, okay, things are different. Uh, my own wife feels this now, you know, at Hunter Park, and we talk about this. She said, I didn't, I didn't have anybody to sit with. I, I didn't know anybody. And, and the reality is, I mean, there was a time at Sandals Church when I knew whether you came to church or not. Like, I knew. Don't lie about it. I had good vision, and there weren't many people. I know whether you were there or not. Now, you know, I have to trust you, and, and you know, I always know when people are lying. Yeah, I go to Sandals. When did you cut your hair? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> You've not been in a while, buddy. Um, so, I, I just think it's important that we embrace that. I think that's a real feeling, but we always have to decide as Christians, am I going to choose my feelings or my faith? And so what we have to do is we have to press in to our faith because I'm sure the disciples really loved the uh, 12 guys that Jesus gathered together, but he gathered them together for a purpose, and that was to reach the world. And so there are seasons, I think, where we're, we're close with friends and we identify with friends and we make these, these deep uh, relationships, and a lot of those relationships are carved when you're growing. It's just special. You know, it's just like, you know, uh, my wife and I were talking about, she makes fun of me because I always listen to 80s music, and she said, it's just funny how wherever you were in high school, that's your music. And um, I think it's because we were growing up, and, and I think the same thing is true at Sandals Church. But, but listen, God's grown us up for a reason, and that's not to hang out with each other. That's to reach the world. And I don't know if you noticed, but they need reaching. They, they need that. And so I, I believe that there's new friendships and there's new relationships that God has for you, but it's always in service to his kingdom. The best relationships and the best friendships are carved on the mission field with Jesus. That's where it is when we're doing the work of God. I would even say in Tammy and I's marriage, we have grown closer together as husband and wife in service to the kingdom, in service. And it's been hard for us. It's, it's, I, I can't tell you how weird it is to meet people and they say, they'd say I, you know, you're my pastor. And I'm like, oh, you know, I mean... Great, and you are, you know, I, I don't know who they are, and that's hard for us, but, but the reality is I, I'm humbled and blessed that, that, you know, our church and my teaching has touched so many lives, and that's a good thing, and I got to keep the perspective right. If, it, if Sandals was ever about me and Tammy, the church would have been about 300 people, but I, I know that there's people in here that are glad that we didn't stop it at that, and that's where a lot of churches stop, is they quit reaching out because people get upset at the new people. So I would just say, be real about it. I think that's a real feeling. I feel it. Uh, I know Tammy's felt it. It's difficult. Um, the good news is from time to time, I get to visit other campuses and I get to run into people I haven't seen. And I, I tell you what, I, I miss them a lot, but it is so great to see that they've been faithful and that they're serving the Lord at, at, at this new campus. And it just, it almost feels like heaven. Mm. Like, you know, those people that, you, that you, you lost touch with or you didn't see or they died and and we're just going to be in heaven, and we're going to run into each other and catch up on how we served God together for our life. And I just think it's just a little, it's a little picture of heaven. And I believe we're going to have time, it's called eternity, to hang out, talk, and catch up. So um, I, I think that's a real thing. But again, guys, it's so important. There, there aren't many churches that are growing the way we are. And that's because I don't believe many churches have the heart that we do. And that is to reach people. We are for anybody. Um, we had that uh, real conversation about singles. And I had, you know, we had people from other churches um, that came. And uh, this leader from another church, this is what she said to me. She said, I can't believe how good you are at making Christianity easy to understand for people who don't know Jesus. That was a surprise to her. Like, I think most people think a church is really doing God's work when you completely confuse lost people. <laughs> 
right? I, I, I mean, I think that's the goal. Um, my job is to make teaching, the teachings of Jesus very, very simple. Very, very simple. This past week, we talked about parenting. I think a Buddhist could have come to our services and been like, okay, I can get some stuff out of this. And I think that's how Jesus attracted followers who maybe didn't believe in him at first, but they're like, you know, this, this guy, he's got something to say about worry. Yeah, that makes sense. Why, why worry about tomorrow? Today's enough. You know, he didn't talk to him about, you know, a 10-hour sermon from Leviticus. He just said, yeah, why worry about tomorrow? Today's enough. Okay, and then people start following him everywhere he goes. And so I think that that's the way that we can bring people to Christ. And, and I think that's, that's how you should evangelize. Find an area of truth. Truth is truth. Truth is truth, man. It, it doesn't matter whether it's in the Bible or somewhere. Truth is truth. It, it is the truth. It's not afraid. It's not moving. It's not changing. It's truth. And so whenever we have a place where we can point somebody to some truth, we should do that because eventually the truth will lead people to Jesus because he is the truth. He is. And so we need to trust uh, that process. And so um, I just think Sandals has a very, very special mission. I hope we're, we're continually faithful to this and just know you're all going to be tested. You're all going to be tested. The devil tested Jesus to make it all about himself. I'll give you all the world has to offer if you just stop your mission and worship me. Thank God Jesus was faithful to the mission and he reached us and we need to do the same thing. And, and God has blessed us. He's absolutely blessed us. And um, I know it's tough, but show me, show me the passage where Jesus said it wouldn't be. And if, you're, and if your Christian walk isn't tough, if you're not being stretched, you probably quit following. So check yourself. And again, that's why real with self. People always say, why isn't sandals, you know, why isn't God first in the vision? I always say, God's not the problem. You are. You are. Be real with yourself. Look at yourself. And, and our culture doesn't do that. Our world doesn't do that. And, and we have to be honest. We're far more affected by our culture than we think we are. I hope that was helpful, Annie. All right, it's time to spin that hopper. Okay, I thought, I thought that was going to go a lot differently yeah. in my head. I pictured that with everybody. We probably should have run that by them first. we plan it out. Yeah. Okay. Can you imagine Vanna in overalls? That just oh, my gosh. Uh, N40. N40. Give this one, this one to use super sports. N All right, this one comes from Savannah. She a real said, name. Thank you, Savannah. <laughs> She says, on my commutes in Riverside in the Inland Empire, I often, often see people standing by stoplights or outside the post office with please help signs. You've explained before about verses, the verses that tell us to help others and bear others' burdens mainly pertain to Christians helping other Christians. If that's the case, how should we regard people who are asking for help on the side of the road? Yeah. Um, hmm. You guys have all heard my thoughts on this. Um, I don't help them. Um, I, I just don't. I... I would rather help the single mom in our church who is doing everything she can to keep the lights on. That's where I want my, my charity money going. Um, now, if the Holy Spirit leads you to stop by and help, I would encourage you to do that. But please share truth. They need truth. Um, our society is great at doling away freebies. We're not great at preaching truth. And people need truth. And um, there's only so much money. And, and here's one of the great truths that our society is just not honest about, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, whatever you are, there's only so much in the pie. And Americans, we're not honest with this. And so as Tammy and I look at our finances, we're tithers to the church. We support five missionary uh, families. Um, we, we give to charity over and above. We're a part of things. That's where I give my money. That's where I want to see the money that I've earned, the money that 
you know, that I've made, that's how I want to see it spent. And I don't think you should ever feel guilty about directing your money in the way that you want it to be directed. However, if the Holy Spirit says, help this person, you need to help that person. But usually when the Holy Spirit's leading you to do that, it's not just to help, it's to have a conversation and have a conversation and speak to them and talk to them um, and see them as a real person huh, who needs more than just lunch, more than just lunch. And, um, you know, sometimes I, I shouldn't say that I don't because I, I know that I just did at a burger place a couple weeks ago, but the person said, will you buy me a burger? And I was like, yeah, sure. You know, I can buy you a burger, but you got to be really, really careful. There's great institutions uh, in our city that are working uh, and all around Southern California. This is a major, major issue where these people are trying to be helped. And a lot of times they're, they're standing on the street corner because they're refusing help. And those places, you know, are, are going to have some accountability and, and going to really provide some help. Mental issues, uh, drug addiction issues, uh, they're going to provide care for children and there's all kinds of things to do. But a lot of those people are saying, no, I don't want any of that help because I don't want any of these restrictions. And just know the restrictions are there to help reset their life. That's why they're there. And, um, and I know that's tough, but, but that's me. But you need to always listen to what the Holy Spirit says. If the Holy Spirit told me to give money, I would do it. So. All right. And I your answer that. to that question was kind of a downer at first, but then you started talking about pie, and I feel like we're right on track. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we've got time for one more. Yes. Hit us with another one. Did you look up that show I told you about? Um, Man versus Food? Oh, no. <laughs> I literally was watching that show and I'm like, this is made for Justin. I gotta oh, look it up. No. Have you guys seen that show, Man versus Food? Yeah, it's incredible. The dude literally will not take anything from food, man. He dominates the food, he eats it all. Hmm. I, pro I promise you now I will investigate the show before our next episode <laughs> and re report back my findings. We can take an intermission. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, 62. Oh, 62. It's down at the bottom. Okay, ready for this one? Here we go. Another anonymous question. Many Christians talk about choosing a relationship with Jesus over religion. How do we balance not becoming religious in a bad way and still having a healthy practice for our faith? Yeah, so here's the challenge. You can be religious and not have a relationship, but you can't have a relationship and not have religious practice. Ding. Right? <laughs> we don't have the dinger? No, no we didn't. We left oh. it. Okay, let me say it again. You, you can be religious and not have a relationship with Jesus, but you can't have a relationship with Jesus and not have a religious practice. Oh, so, there you go. Oh, there we go. Thank Somebody you. Oh, Thank good. you. Yes, yeah, you. So, um, Annie Moss in the house. Let's yeah. give her a hand. Yay. I'm just going to um, sit up here So, you know, Christianity is not a religion and it is a religion. We practice a religion. I mean, it, they're commandments. <laughs> Those aren't like pray about it. That's not what they're called. They're, they're called commandments. So we do do some things. We have to do some things. And so um, I don't get to pray about being loving or being kind. I have to do those things, and I have to choose to do those things and be obedient on a regular basis. I can't do Christianity alone. You know, in our tradition, we so stress personal relationship that often we divorce ourselves from religious practice. If you grew up Catholic, the Catholics have so focused on religious practice, they've divorced themselves from the personal relationship. Well, we're both wrong. We, 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 we need both traditions. We, we need it all together. We have to have that together. The Holy Spirit speaks powerfully in the context of the local church, in the context of the leaders that God is, in, is empowered 
to lead us. It's not just about you. Nowhere, nowhere in the Bible does it say it's all about you. It, it constantly assumes that you're going to be a part of a church, submitting to a local group of leaders who have dedicated themselves to the study and the truth of Scripture. That's all throughout the Bible. It's not just you, your beer, in your backyard. That's not in the Bible. But unfortunately, it is in our culture. And um, people tell me all the time, well, I can worship God any way I want. And I say, well, that's not what he said. So, oh. there we go. Oh, that was yeah, there we go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> can we do it's one good. more? Yeah, we can do one more. All right, we're going to do, do one, one more from, we're going to oh, do one more from the sorry. Bingo Hopper, which by the way, Bingo <laughs> Hopper is the precise name you need to look up on the internet if you want to mm. buy that. Bingo Hopper. Is that how long we've been going? No, no that's that, a countdown. I don't know what that's Oh, okay, because I was like, I man, I've been talking that long. No. 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 Time flies when you're having fun. Yes. And we're having so much fun. <laughs> N44, N44. Okay. I don't know why I'm saying I think that might be a... It's pretty good. Oh, we already did this one. We already did that one. I know we had a How multiple do, numbers yeah. per question. We didn't have that many questions. That would have been... We'll try again. O69? Bingo! <laughs> winner, winner. That actually is a, is a bingo. That's a question we have not done yet. Here we go. This is actually one we had to cut from last week's episode. Oh. So this comes in from Tanya says, how do you go about handling Christian friends who are in relationships, dating relationships, with non-Christians? What are some practical ways I can talk to a friend who is dating a non-Christian without sounding like I'm shaming them? Yeah, wow. Um, bring yeah, your friend, every, to, every, bring your friend to the live recording yeah, and yeah. not have them know you're going to ask this question. Yeah. <laughs> what up, Tanya's friend? <laughs> <laughs> it's not you, we swear. Yeah. Everybody loves Jesus till they fall in love. That's the problem. Um, <laughs> hey. This is what's happening in cars okay. across Southern California yeah. when they listen to the show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> look, I, I don't know how you I don't know how you talk to a Christian that's doing that because if they were a Christian, they wouldn't be doing that. They just it's just it's just not going to happen. I mean, if you're a Christian, your faith is the most precious thing that you have. Um, and it, it drives me crazy. Um, you know, we, we live in a culture that's not ashamed at all of their lifestyle. I don't know why as Christians we're, we're ashamed of our Lord. I, I don't understand that. It doesn't make any sense to me. If people are going to be bold about what they should be ashamed of, we should be bold of what we have nothing to be ashamed of, and that's our faith in Jesus. And, and, and let me just say this. Um, I think, I mean, Again, if you read the gamut of Scripture, um, the Bible mandates divorce. Excuse me, mandates that you stay married. Just got it backwards. <laughs> but in Ezra chapter 9, it does mandate divorce. And here's what happened. The Israelites are coming home from Babylon, and they're coming back to build uh, the second temple. And Ezra is so ashamed of the people because they've intermarried with the Canaanites. And for those of you who don't know your Bibles, here's the problem with the Canaanites. They sacrifice their children. They burn their babies to the God of Molech. And Ezra pulls his hair out, and he's brokenhearted. And he says, he literally begins to shake and weep because they're going to dedicate the temple. And here's the thing. All the Jews have showed up to play church. And Ezra's like, we're not doing this. And I don't know that I agree with Ezra's decision, 
But what, what he felt like they needed to do was say, look, you, get, you guys have to, you have to annul these marriages. We cannot move forward as the people of God if you continue to intermarry with these people. And he goes on to say that this is what brought Solomon down. This is what destroyed the kingdom. Solomon married foreign women, women who worshiped other gods. The wisest dude who ever lived, guys, got dumb when he got around girls. So you're not Solomon. So be careful who you fall in love with. Be careful who you give your heart to. Because, listen to me, we talked about what sex is. Was that a couple weeks ago? Or was it my sermon? I can't remember. But I said sex is sacred. And so when you make yourself one with somebody sexually, you are participating in a holy act. How and why, why would you want to do with that with someone who does not honor God and love God the way you do? Sex is the most intimate expression you can have on earth physically with another person. Why wouldn't you want that to be a spiritual blessing? So, so I'm just saying that the Bible speaks very, very clear about this. Paul says, what does a believer have with a non-believer? How can you be unequally yoked? Now, if you're married to a non-Christian, the Bible says, you're stuck. <laughs> That's what it says. Stay as you are and know that your children are sanctified by the Holy Spirit's presence in your life. Because that's the concern in the New Testament when people start being evangelized and coming to Christ, not everybody's spouse is a Christian. But the idea there is that you became a Christian after you're married. If you're a Christian before you're married, you need to have a serious conversation and you need to say, God is, God is the most important thing in my life. And listen to me, if you marry somebody that's not a Christian, no, he's not. You don't worship Jesus, you worship the guy or the gal. That's what you worship. And again, sex is a powerful, powerful desire that must come second to our desire to follow God. It's why Jesus says in 1911, this is difficult for you to hear, but many have devoted themselves as eunuchs for the kingdom of God. Why is he saying that? That's what he did. And I'm pretty sure Jesus had some women who would have liked him? Right, ladies? Oh my gosh, it's like he speaks to my heart. <laughs> yeah. He's literally perfect. Yeah. He's like the perfect guy. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. That's awesome. All right, so we are here, episode 100. Over the last 100 episodes, you've said numerous times, oh, I wish I could know more, wish I could hear more, I wish I could ask you a follow-up question. So we're going to do something we've never done before. We're super excited about that. We've got some live questions uh, lined up. And uh, those of you guys who are just hanging out with us here, you're going to meet some brave people coming down, asking their question. Obviously, none of them are anonymous tonight. So uh, we're excited about that. Desiree, would you come down and hit us with your question? Yay, Desiree. Oh, Desiree's rocking one of those white debrief shirts. I love it. Great choice of attire. Nice shirt. Oh, thank you. Hello. Um, so my question is, Jesus surrounded himself with people from all walks of life. How can the Bible help me be less critical of others? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know that the Bible can, but uh, the Holy Spirit can. Um, I think that what we need to do is we need to constantly remind ourselves, it's Desiree, right, that we all screw up. Um, this is why, again, real with yourself is so important. How can I judge someone else for what I've done? You know, it's like with my kids. When my kids sin or they do something, yeah, sure, I'm angry or frustrated, but the reality is they, they, haven't, they haven't even done everything I did. Don't tell them that. 
<laughs> so I, I need to be able to extend grace. And so it's just reminding ourselves, and this is why worship is so important, the Lord's Supper is so important. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but we've, been, we, we've put it back into our schedule on a more regular basis to remind us, but for the blood of Christ, we're all going to hell. That's, that's the reality, but for what Jesus did for us on the cross. And so Desiree, just remind yourself that you need grace every day. This is why personal confession is so important. And a lot of us pretend that we don't sin, but we, we, I could confess all day, every day. You know? I mean, that's the reality. That's how much I find myself sinning. It just happens. And I think the, the longer you've become a Christian, the more aware you are of it. Mm-hmm. I think when I first started, I thought I was pretty awesome. <laughs> My wife can probably give an amen to that. But... Um, I remember one time I yelled at her when we were fighting. I said, why does everyone in the world think I'm awesome but you? <laughs> I really said that. That was a, that was a real moment. Um, so Desiree, I just would encourage you, you know, try to remember, uh, and obviously people are frustrating. Um, I sent Tammy a, a, an Instagram photo today. We loved, uh, what's the crocodile hunter's name? Steve Irwin. Steve Irwin. Oh, man, Steve Thank Irwin. You. This is what he said. He said, crocodiles are easy. You know up front they want to eat and kill you. He said, people are hard. They act like they want to be your friend at first. <laughs> so, I know. I thought that was, that was truth, not even in the Bible, but it was R. truth R. from Steve Irwin. Um, and, and, and here's the thing is God's called us to love these people that oftentimes have less morals than crocodiles, and, and we have to love them and not be critical. Now, having said that, do people do stupid things? Yes, yes, and thank God you have God's truth, and so here's the Bible. The Bible can help you because it's taught you right from wrong. A lot of people, they have a general sense of right and wrong, but they don't know specifically what to do and what not to do, and you just have to know. Most people don't know anything about the Bible. They don't know anything about truth, and I think that's an opportunity for you to say, here's what I believe. Like when I have a conversation about tithing, you know what I ask people? What do you believe about tithing? Because most people are dumb enough to tell me. (laughs) And then I say, well, do you want to know what the Bible says? Because usually they've said nothing (laughs) about what the Bible says. They quote themselves. And I say, well, here's what the Bible says. And so, and here's what I believe. And here's why Tammy and I do it. And so just just say those things is, you know, why do do you believe that it's it's not, I wouldn't say it's okay to do that because that sounds confronting, but why do you do what you do? Why did you do that? Well, here's what I believe. And so I just think we all need to grow in grace and compassion. That's why I love the ministry of Cultivated Our Church so much. Um, Kindness matters. Being kind. And remember this, Desiree, Jesus was not critical of sinners. He was critical of people that thought they were righteous. That's who he's the meanest to. But man, when there's a woman caught in the act of adultery and she's bloodied and naked in front of him, He says, I don't condemn you. Go and leave your life of sin. He's not critical. He's hopeful. And he points her to grace. And so that's what I would encourage you to do, Desiree. And just know, I appreciate your honesty. I think we all struggle with this. I think we're all critical. I think it's a very, very real aspect. And I just think this, if you're honest, you're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days. You're going to have days where you're full of grace and um, you're you're, you're a lot like Jesus. And then you're going to have days where you're a lot like Satan. So um, (laughs) Peter had some days like that, you know? Where one moment it's, way to go, Peter, and the next moment it's, get behind me, Satan. And I don't know why I'm looking at you when I said that, but. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you, Desiree. Desiree, Thank did you. you at all imagine you were going to hear from 
the crocodile hunter Steve Irwin when you sent in that question? No way, dude. That was amazing. People Thank probably you. don't even know who he is anymore, man. I oh, love that a, guy. He's a legend. Yeah. He's a legend. Thank you, Desiree. Yeah. Thank All right. you, Desiree. All right. There's some Aussies in the house. We've got Amanda up next. Come on down, Amanda. Here comes Amanda. You guys, I don't know if you heard Pastor Matt mention Cultivate before. He has a special sponsorship deal. Every time he mentions Cultivate on the debrief, he gets a new candle. So <laughs> congratulations. All right, Amanda. I hey, like Amanda, shirt, I like the, the shirt. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, in episode 99, Pastor Matt was talking about how we are not perfectly made and that sin affects our biology and causes babies to be born imperfect. Is my son's disability a direct result of my sin? Pastor Matt has said there are some sins that are worse than others, so some people are born with more challenges than others because their parents have sinned more. Or is it a result of the general brokenness and sin that exists in this world? Yeah, wow. Um, well, there, there's my answer to you, um, and then there's the answer. The reality is sometimes as parents we can engage in things, we can do things that affect our children. We can engage in behaviors, we can drink alcohol, we can smoke, we can do drugs. And so in those instances, our sins do direct our babies, or affect our babies, they do. Um, but I think that specifically, in the story we were talking about um, with Jesus, um, he says this, this man was not born blind because of his parents' sin or his own, but so that the work of God could be displayed. And so, um, I don't know, She's left. She's oh, oh, hi. Uh, she disappeared. She, the rapture happened, and I'm stuck. Um, yeah, I, I, think, I, I think that, um, you know, sin affects biology. It does in, in every way. And um, I think I mentioned on that episode um, that I believe that children with disabilities are a special gift to us. And here's what I believe is, I think it, did anybody see the movie um, Wonder? Oh, I haven't seen it yet. Oh my gosh, I cried all the way through it. I, I would encourage you, that is a movie you need to see. And, and, and the young boy born with so many disabilities, he brings things out in people without disabilities that we would never see. And so I think that's the work of God that we need to see oftentimes is in ourselves. We need to be more patient. We need to be more grateful for the own abilities that we have and, and the gifts that we waste every single day. And, um, and I, I just think that that's the work of God. And that's why I think children with disabilities are so important to us at Sandals Church because they help us become who God's called us to be. They teach us who we need to be. And so we need to come alongside them and help them and love them. So, you know, not every child comes out perfect in terms of their biology, but they are perfect in the eyes of God. And so we need to trust that and trust God's plan for us, and it is difficult, um, and it is challenging, but I believe it's worth it. And, and every child is, is a gift from God, and we need to love them and appreciate them for that. But our biology is affected. We're not just spiritual sinners. Sin has affected us emotionally. It has affected us spiritually. There's a reason we die. The reason we die is sin affects our biology. God has the last word. And he said, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. Which, of course, Satan said, did God really say? Yes, he did. And so we're affected by that. And um, when Jesus returns, one of the things that he will set straight is biology. It will work the way 
it was always supposed to work. And by God's grace, it usually does. We're very, very blessed. You know, people always ask, well, if God's so good, why is there evil in the world? My question is, why is there good in the world? Why, why is there good? Like everybody focuses on the negative, focus on the positive. You know, we're, we're all shocked when an airplane crashes. Why don't they crash every day? Like, you know how detailed you are at work, right? <laughs> oh yeah, it'll be fine. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Think about that, man. Nah, we'll make it. You know, I've been, I've been real serious at work recently. I found out they were only ordering 500 cookies for tonight, and I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> Double it. <laughs> serious. You're welcome, guys. I took that part seriously. <laughs> you guys are welcome. You guys are welcome. Yeah. Can, you know, I want to push a little, a little bit further. When I read Amanda's question, like, I sensed... Um, and I see this, I mean, we see every single question that comes in. There's so many we never get on the show. I, a lot of times when people send in questions, there's, I just sense like there's hurt and shame that's maybe, like, and fears, I mean, guilt, whatever, related to who and how we are. Hearing what you just said, like, how would you advise Amanda to move forward in confidence? Yeah, I would just say trust, trust in God's plan. God has a plan. And it is for your benefit, Jeremiah 29, 11, it is, it is for good for you and for your kid. And you've got to trust that. And God is going to do a work in that. And again, faith is the hope in things we cannot see. That's what faith is. That's why we're here. Some people think we're ridiculous because they can't imagine something they can't see. Well, 150 years ago, scientists thought the idea of germs was ridiculous. Oops. You know, the scientists don't always get it right either. They just don't tell us a lot about that in school. They screw it up too. So we, we've got to trust, we've got to believe, and, 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 we, and, we, and I think, you know, um, part, part, part of, you know, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if, you know, there's shame or whatever or guilt or whatever, but it's just saying, okay, God, here's my situation and I'm going to entrust this to you and I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to walk in faith and I'm a daughter of the king and I'm completely forgiven. I'm, I'm trusting you in this process and, and I, you know, um, I don't know, I, 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 just, I just always assumed, and my philosophy is, you know, I, when our kids came out, I was surprised they came out somewhat normal. I was like, you know, look at me. I was just like, I, I just anticipated, you know, I, it happens. And I think because of my philosophy and the way I've seen the world, I, I've, seen, I've seen a lot of kids with disabilities. And so I think most people are surprised by it. I've just not lived a life where that's shocking to me because I've seen so many parents uh, walk through disability issues. And that's part of being a pastor. You walk through with people through difficult things. And a lot of really, really amazing people have some really real challenges with the disabilities that their kids face. And um, that's, just, that's just part of living in a fallen world. Mm -hmm. Thanks for that, Amanda. We yeah, I love you. you. Yeah, thank you. And the shirt. Yeah. All right, Nasi, you're up next. Come on down. Nasi. Oh, he's kind of like a fan. Nasi's wearing a regular shirt, though, so. Take your time, buddy. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> Just, here we go. All right. You got, so a, you got a good looking beard. Thank you. Thank you. Trying to grow it out. Trying to get to your, your level of beard. But... Well, you have a full head of hair, so. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Hopefully I can keep it. All right. So my question for Pastor Matt is, what is something in your life that has helped you grow or challenged you to grow the most spiritually? I have a deep desire to serve the Lord, and I'm more and more looking to draw closer to God each day. So what is something you've found or learned over the years that has helped you draw closer to God? Say the last part that has helped you draw closer to God? What's something you found that helps you grow closer you to God? You don't want this answer. Ooh. Yeah. 
without a doubt, pain. Mm. Without a doubt. Um, I have had eight knee surgeries. Um, I have four screws in each knee. Um, I've had holes drilled into my kneecap to make the bone bleed so that it regrows uh, cartilage. Um, I hurt so badly in my late 20s and early 30s, and I was so angry and so frustrated with God because I was hurting so bad. And what I discovered is God is the God of even of pain, and he met me there, and he was stronger than pain. And um, I don't take any pain medication on a regular basis nowadays. I, I've, been, I've been radically healed in that area. We clap for that. But, but I'm telling you, God met me in my pain and uh, in my hurt. And I just, I just believe, right, you know, the Bible talks about that we may that we may join Christ in his suffering. And I think we all, nobody likes those verses. Nobody gets that tattooed on their body. Um, you know, I was talking with Dex, our creative director, that so many churches, and, and a lot of the big churches now, you go to church and it's, it's like cheerleading. Like, you can do it, and it's your dream, and name it and claim it. And I'm just like, ah, okay. Um, you know, for me, for God to grow me and put me where I am, he had to become my God even in the midst of my pain. And uh, I, hope that, um, I hope that you are called to minister. I certainly don't wish that level of suffering fit. There's something crazy about pain, like crazy. Um, and I don't think you should ever want it, but, but when you go through it, whether it's emotional, uh, spiritual, or um, physical in my case, it's something amazing when you think you can't take any more, but God is there, and He is there, and He is real, and I think that's given me the confidence to tell people that God, God is there in the midst of your pain. He's, he's never, he actually, Jesus said, He said, you will have trouble in this world, so I would just say expect it, but just know that when you're going through your darkest struggles, when you look back, that will be the times when you're the closest with God you've ever been, and so trust Him in that no matter I think, you know, how old are you? 22. 22. Um, yeah. You got a long road ahead of you, buddy. Um, <clears throat> here's what I would say is there, there's going to be some incredible ups, but, but those ups come at a great hill. And just, just know that. Um, and uh, there are going to be seasons. There's going to be seasons of blessing, and there's going to be seasons of heartache. And, and, and you need to trust God and celebrate God in both because he's the God of both. The most famous chapter in the entire Bible is, is the chapter about valleys. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. It's one thing to read that verse. It's another thing to live it. And um, um, I think it steadied me. Um, like a lot of people always say, oh, don't get cocky because your church is so big. And, um, you know, I think one of the reasons I haven't gotten cocky and arrogant is because it was so painful in the beginning. This is just gravy, and I, and I, and I, and I love it, but I, I experienced God in the fire, and now I can celebrate him in the season of blessing, and that's what this is. And um, So my prayer for you is that there would be some suffering. I certainly don't want horrific suffering, but that there would be adequate suffering in your life to cause you not just to have studied God, but to know him. And we study God when we read our Bibles. We come to know him in our suffering. And um, that's, my, that's my prayer for you, um, that, 
whatever it is that God has for you, that you would embrace the suffering and know that it's a part of God's plan to get you where you need to be. And the greater the level of responsibility, I believe, the greater the suffering. The greater the suffering. And, um, you know, I've seen pastors who've done great things in Southern California, and they have suffered greatly. And, um, you know, we talk a lot about the benefits of their success, but we don't talk a lot about their sufferings. And, um, you know, um, one of my, I, one of my uh, just people I absolutely love, his name's Rick Muchow, and um, just a great worship leader, great guy, was diagnosed with brain cancer this last week. And um, they laid hands on him at Saddleback Church. And I don't know what the Lord's going to do, but my prayer for him is that in the midst of this suffering, the God that he has led literally millions in worship will be very real to him as he potentially lives out the last days of his life. And, uh, and that's my prayer for, for, for me is that as, as I age, as I grow old, that, that um, the same God that I, I've talked about will be with me and in my heart even as you know, I approach what, whatever it is that, that comes. And so that's my prayer for you, bud. I, I'm super excited that there's 22-year-old men that want to serve God. So let's give him a hand. That's pretty incredible. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank you. You know, there's, uh, there, there have been two times, like, since I've just been attending and at Sandal Church where I felt like, whoa, something has changed and I have a new pastor. One was before and after we got our Hunter Park location. But the other was many years before that, you were gone and not preaching for a season because you couldn't like even talk anymore. Can you just tell that story? Yeah, yeah. Many of you heard that story, but they, um, they thought I had throat cancer. And um, so I took a vow of silence, which may not be hard for many of you. It's very hard for me. Um, <laughs> and uh, went out into the desert, almost got arrested by a cop who thought I was deaf and um, found out I wasn't. Um, it was awkward. But um, but I heard from the Lord, and God said, I don't care about your career. I care about your character. It's one of the, I've probably heard an audible voice from God maybe 10 to 20 times in my life, and that was one of those times where literally I heard these words, I don't care about your career. I care about your character. And, um, you know, uh, many people have the talent to pastor a church of 10,000, but they don't have the character. And at that time, I did not have the character. And... Um, you know, God has had to refine me over and over and over again um, to prepare me to, to be able to lead one church of 11,000 people and how many campuses? Like We're seven or nine? I don't know what it is. Seven or nine, yeah. So seven or nine. We're good with the math. Um, <laughs> but um, We'll put that in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, you know, I don't know. I, I yeah. just... I just Went blank. Okay. Well, we got some more questions. Yeah, we've got a question now from Anissa. Will Anissa make her way down here? Anissa. Anissa. Hello. You okay? Yeah. A little nervous. So yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> These haven't been easy ones. Well, this is going to be a hard one. So um, uh, first I want to say thank you, Pastor Matt, for your uh, surrender and your obedience to God. Hmm. Um, and uh, for your gentle guidance, yet firm um, leadership in uh, leading our church to Christ. I, I really appreciate that. You pulled it back there. There you go. Okay, so I'm going to read my question so I don't forget. And it's kind of long, so bear with me. 
Um, I'm a mom of three single children, or I'm a single mom of three children, two boys and one girl. Uh, three years ago, I talked to you about my broken heart, my broken life, and my broken marriage to another woman. You, in her conversation, you told me that God was calling me to be obedient. And um, on that day, I decided to stop following my heart's desires and to start following Jesus. After months of seeking Jesus and being obedient, I found the treasure that you speak of. I rededicated, rededicated my life to Christ that day. Now, um, my ex-wife now currently attends Sandals Church, and she has now made the decision to follow Jesus. She uh, recently connected with a small group, and her, her walk with Christ is strengthening daily. Now, my oldest boy is um, adopted, and I gave birth to our youngest son, and my ex-wife gave birth to our daughter. And um, we currently live under the same roof, but now we live just as friends and um, a God-centered life. Now, my question is, us living together, is that wrong? Um, I have a couple questions. <laughs> um, my second question would be, um, two women, um, what uh, advice could you give on raising two boys to be good Christian men and our daughter, to how to raise her to be a good Christian woman? Wow, these are not easy questions, guys. <clears throat> Happy hundred. Um, I actually remember our conversation. Um, wow. Um, yeah, wow. We need to talk after the show. Um, so your first question is, is it wrong for you guys to live together? So here, here's the challenge. Um, is it wrong for you guys to live together as sisters raising a family? No, that's right. And here's why that's the right thing to do, because your kids need to not have Jesus be the reason that the family is split apart. The Bible speaks against homosexual sex. As long as you guys, you know, and again, um, you know, I don't know what you do in your house, but God does. As long as you guys are sisters, I believe the household is blessed. Um, the challenge is going to be, can you both be faithful to that? You both have to commit to that. If she or you starts dating and starts living the homosexual lifestyle once again, that's going to be a challenge. Um, I believe that what you're doing is God-honoring, and it's the best possible solution for the situation that you find yourself in. Um, I think it's important that you communicate um, to your kids that your family is unique. Um, thank God we live in a world that seems to embrace that. So I think that's going to be a bit easier. Um, and I think the uniqueness of your family is that, you know, I think they need to know your story. I, I don't know what age levels they are, the appropriate level of their story. Uh, talking to your kids about sex is always weird anyways. I didn't think it would be. Then we had kids, and I was like, I was wrong. Um, <laughs> so um, I think that you guys have a unique story. It's a redemptive story. It's a beautiful story. I think it's the best possible outcome for the situation that you find yourself in. Um, again, as long as you two can live as not a distraction to each other and, um, you know, live in a uh, faithful, committed relationship to Jesus and raise these kids as sisters. And I think that that's important that you use that language. Um, 
um, with the kids and that they understand that so that God's blessing is over your house. Um, if it ever becomes a sexual temptation for the two of you, then that's going to be an, another issue that we would have to talk about. In terms of raising your son, which is really the issue, two, two boys? Ten and three. Ten and three. Um, that's where we need the community. They, they need male influence, positive male influence. I would love to be a part of that, and I'm sure that there's a lot of great guys in our church that would love to be a part of that for them in their life. Um, you know, my wife, uh, she said this in... Uh, I hope just. Um, we can she find said, out if you want. Yeah, she said, she said, I raised the two girls. I don't know what to do with this one, which was our, <laughs> our son. Um, uh, she said, he's all yours. Um, because boys are different, very, very different. And um, I think that boys are easy to raise until they hit puberty. And then it's a ride for sure. So... Um, I think that you need to have men in your life that can speak to the situation, that can help him with all of their questions, because there's just some things boys don't want to talk to moms about, and uh, they, need, they need a guy that they can talk to that's safe and is trusted and loves the Lord, and so I think that that's important. Um, I think that just as a woman, it's, encourage, it's important that you encourage them to be men and that you affirm that. that you, I, think, I don't think our culture affirms men, that you affirm them being men and that that's important and that is valuable to the kingdom, that both men and women reflect the image of God. And, uh, and boys are different. I mean, I mean, our son, I mean, you have boys and a girl, um, so you know the difference. You know, my wife said, no guns. We're not going to have guns in our house with our son, so we didn't buy him a gun. He took the coat hanger and shot her. You know, I was like, I don't, uh, you know, mom's dead. Okay. Um, they're just different. They just are. So you have to embrace that. And, and again, um, you know, we need to talk, you know, privately about what that looks like. But um, I'm proud of you. Let's give her a hand. I'm very, very proud of you. And let me say this. I wish our heterosexual community was as faithful as you are. So thank you. Love you. Thank you. All right, we got one more live question. This comes from Sydney, who's a senior at Redlands High School. Sydney, where are you at? Yeah, Redlands High School. So our last question, folks. In the okay, here we did go. You guys just you're say, like so. Did you guys just say like, let's get throw Matt some softballs? No. <laughs> here we go, Sydney. Hi. Hello. So as a teen growing up in a society. What does it look like to live out our faith boldly at public schools but not turn off people from Christianity at the same time? Yeah. Um, I, I think if, if, if there's a time, if there's ever been a time in American culture where we can be bold, it's now because everybody's bold about everything. And uh, I think that we need to be heard. And I think that we need to speak up because um, a lot of people don't realize what they're doing to Christians right now but they're not good things. And Christians need to speak up in a loving way, uh, in a kind way. Um, but what I would do first and foremost is be the most loving kid possible at your school. If you want to be like Jesus, find the kids that nobody cares about and love them and care for them and talk to them and be their friends and sit with them at lunch um, and run as far away as you possibly can from the cool kids and run to those kids that nobody sees and nobody cares about because that's Christ's community. 
And I'm telling you, if you can do that, you will be like Jesus and you will get the attention of your entire school. And don't just pretend to love them, the Bible says, really love them, really care about them, really minister to them. And I think that that is the biggest testimony. You will be so radically different from the kids at that school. Everybody will want to know what that is. And again, it's love the kids that no one loves. That's what Jesus did. The, the people that nobody would talk to. Uh, there's that story uh, in the Bible where the prostitute comes and she begins to anoint um, Jesus' feet with her hair and she pours oil on his feet. And the, the owner of the house, by the way, Simon, who was a leper, and that's important biblically because it means not a lot of people came over for dinner because um, he has a communicable disease that can kill you. Um, but he judges Jesus and he, sit, he thinks this in his mind. If he really was a prophet, he would know who she was. And then Jesus tells him a story about two men who are forgiven, one a little amount, one a big amount, and he says, whom do you suppose would love the master more? And Simon says, the one that was forgiven much. And um, Jesus says, and her and her sins are many, but she has loved much because she's been forgiven much. And so just be that radical um, person at your school that loves. What grade did you say you were in? I'm a senior. You're a senior. Okay, just do it. So you don't have much time left. But literally, I mean, start staking out an area at lunch. Tell your friends, I'm not eating with you guys anymore. I'm going to eat with these kids. And here's why. I want to love these kids. And let me tell you something. There's a lot of kids at your school that are that far from doing something terrible to themselves because they feel like no one sees them and they don't matter. And Jesus sees them. And if you say, Jesus, I want you to show me those kids, he will. He will. And um, do you listen to the debrief on a regular basis? Yeah. Good. You're so awesome. Let's give her a hand. <laughs> okay. Have you, have you heard me talk about being a noticer? I think we live in a clueless, self-centered society where all we see is ourselves. Be a noticer. Notice people. I can't tell you, you know, how many people I've seen in this city over the last 20 years that I just noticed and I sat down and talked to and now they go to Sandals Church. They've given their life to Christ. And the only reason was because I saw them. And, um, you know, as I was reading the Bible, um, which I would encourage you to do, I remember reading in the Gospel of Mark, it says that Jesus saw the great crowds and he had compassion on them for they were sheep without a shepherd. They didn't know where to go. And unfortunately, kids your generation have nowhere to go because adults have not pointed in any direction that's helpful. But we have Jesus that points. And, um, and again, I think the way that we have a platform is by being loving, you know, by being loving. You heard the gal that was before you. Um, she knows that I love her. I don't agree with her lifestyle. The world says that's impossible. You guys just saw it is possible to love someone and not agree. It is possible. Jesus loves us enough to tell, tell the truth. It's love that gives us our platform. It's love. You know, Billy Graham, you probably don't even know who he is, but, you know, he died this week. But, you know, he was the first guy to preach the love of God. Christians had never thought about that. It was a shocker. Huh. You don't think we should go with the hellfire and brimstone? Billy said, no. Let's go with the love. Seriously. And he did. He said this, the Holy Spirit's job is to convict. God's job is to judge. My job is to love. Billy Graham said that. Billy Graham said that. I mean, a lot of you guys didn't notice this week, 
but uh, Martin Luther King's daughter came out and said, you know who, locked, who got uh, Martin Luther King out of jail? One time, it's Billy Graham, a white southerner evangelist, because that's what love does. When it wasn't popular, when it wasn't cool, Billy Graham did that. Man, that's a legacy. And uh, that's why presidents are going to see his, um, what do you call it? Casket. Casket, thank you. That was good. Yeah, that's what I'm here for. Yeah, his casket. Um, I was still a little unsure that casket. Yeah, casket. Maybe. Yeah. Going to see his casket um, because he lived a life that was honoring. And that's my prayer for you, um, that you would live a life that is so full of love. And remember, love rejoices when the truth wins out. So our society says love is, doesn't care about the truth. The Bible says love is all about the truth. It's a cheerleader for truth. And a lot of what people your age is saying is love isn't love. It's just selfishness. That's all it is. It's all about me. And, um, and uh, I don't know. I'm super hopeful for you, but be the sweetest, most loving person you can possibly be. Thank you very much. <clears throat> Do you, Pastor Matt, do you think we're going to make it to episode 200? <laughs> There's some excitement out there. Yeah, I hope so. Um, yeah, and again, the show, you guys, is, is as good as your questions. You know, think about, think about your questions. Think about things deeply. Um, when you come across a scripture that doesn't make any sense whatsoever, that's a great debrief moment, you know. Um, so get rid of the devotions. Start reading your Bible. And uh, we'll, we'll have a great show. But if you guys are just reading devotions, we're all going to be bored to death, you know? I feel like you just really undercut me there because I was thinking I had a great idea for us, like a 30, day, 30 days of noticing. With a little devotion. A devotion right? yeah, exactly. on 30 days of noticing. Devo 30 days of we'll noticing. We'll share stories from your Noticing life. like Jesus. It'd be awesome, dude. <laughs> no one would expect it. That's why it'd be awesome. Well, the subtitle you guys, be, I just, hate so, just so you know, we don't try on purpose to end every episode awkwardly. It just happens. When this we, is, yeah, this is real. You we guys. don't have any more conversation or questions, and we just try and have a conversation. And it's it, true. It just fails. We, yeah, we can't tell time. people though. If you want to get the notes for this episode, they will be at debrief.show slash one hundred. Oh, I was hoping people do oh, that was it. So late. It was like Stephanie. such an easy setup. Yeah, debrief.show/slash/one hundred. I know. Hopper. Turn that hopper. <laughs> All right, we'll try better next time, guys. We'll do a little rehearsal. It's yeah, fine. There you go. You guys are awesome. We love you. Thanks for coming out to 100 Love you guys. Live. God bless. Thanks, everybody, for coming to the T-Brief 100 live from Riverside, California. Thank you guys so much for being here. Listen, if you want to support the T-Brief, this is, this is popping. I feel so empowered to just keep talking. I'm going to start talking about what I want for Christmas. I'm going to start talking about what I Oh, no, that was good. You got, oh, it's me. I should, this is when I'm supposed to say stuff. I, I feel like I take on the world. I was like, just play. In the morning when I wake up, just come to the house and play that song. And I will, I'll be toweling off. I'll be brushing my teeth. Like, can we do it again? Let's just one more time. Thank you guys so much for coming out tonight. Listen, please subscribe to The Debrief. You can find anybody wearing a lanyard. Yes, some mild clapping would be appropriate at this time. Um, listen, we are selling t-shirts over on the side. Please pick one up before you leave. If you would like to give to support The Debrief, 
please text give debrief to the number that is on the screen to my right and left you guys are awesome you're beautiful once again the only way to be more beautiful would be if you had this shirt we probably have some more to sell you guys are fantastic have a great night <laughs>